0: thematic investing is a hot keyword. When you hear about ESG investing or disruptive tech or healthcare, for example, these are all different themes. Is it all hype, just a very cool marketing buzzword, or does it give us alpha? How does it compare with index investing? Because if you can't beat the index, right, then what for do you invest in themes? We talk about the risks, are we too concentrated on segments, and what frameworks should we use to analyze different themes? This episode is sponsored by Scythe. You can check them out at syve.com, S-Y-F-E dot There's
1: never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify.
0: Hello, my name is Andrew and welcome to another True with TFC episode. In this series, we talk to interesting people with relevant experience and insights to help us learn from their perspectives so that we can create the life we love and manage our finances well. Today, we'll talk about thematic portfolios. Let's welcome Vice President, Head of Business Development at Scythe, Samantha Houghton. What do you think about the saying that thematic investing is hype?
1: I think um there is a big distinction there in terms of what we mean by that comment right or that question because I think thematic investing overall has been around for a long time maybe in different forms but perhaps it was more traditional themes previously in terms of investing in certain sectors countries etc um and getting you know a more i suppose tailored exposure you know that way but now we obviously have a, uh, a list that of themes which seem to be multiplying, um, you know, every day, right? And and so I would say maybe there could be some aspects of, of hype within the thematic investing when you look at, you know, particular themes within that, right? So I guess one to call out would pot- potentially be uh, meme stocks, right, which obviously was, uh, was all the rage. You know, earlier, that's earlier this yes, that's definitely a theme, right? So, um, so I, I think they even uh, have some ETFs which have which have been created on the back of memes, meme meme stocks, stocks, right? So, um, and if you look at that, obviously, then you know, if you invest in those in the wrong time, then you can really get hurt, right? But um, but I don't think I would say the same about you know overall thematic investing.
0: I've definitely seen more advertisements, more write-up about it. But like you are saying, some form of themes exist for many years, right? It's just recent years that you see more interesting themes that come up. But the more common ones, ESG, healthcare, what have you. I mean, let's take ESG, for example. I and mean, people will be saying that, well, you know, greenwashing. <laughs> uh, t- tell us a bit about greenwashing, you know, and the whole appealing to your motivations to do good for this planet.
1: Sure. I would say obviously that is a big concern for a lot of people investing in in ESG and and in in my even prior experience we have done a lot of work around you know ESG scoring etc right and you know I think there is an increasing focus on what are the most important aspects of you know E versus S versus G the particular companies that we should uh, that we should look at right and and what is really important to call out I think one thing that I would say is a lot of companies get pushed into or put into the ESG, you know, bucket when they are basically outperforming on certain criteria within their benchmark, right, or within their sector. So for example, you know, there are oil companies which can be put called ESG, you know, put in ESG baskets because um, essentially, you know, they are doing better than their than their peers, right? But I think if you did want to take a perhaps more purist view I would say, you know, invest in, in companies that have a value proposition that is actually, you know, doing what you believe in, right? So, you know, I guess one example of that is there's a lot of companies, you know, which focus on perhaps, you know, alternative meats, right? Or, you know, secondhand clothing, right? And, and those types of things where actually the, the the overall business is about, you know, is about um, essentially doing better, right? Then uh, or changing business models from, you know, more traditional ones where, Uh, perhaps it wasn't so, you know, positive for, uh, you know, for the environment, etc.
0: Give us an idea of how a a retail investor should approach thematic investing. There's so many themes. I'm sure the way you approach each of them is different. Is there a framework going into it?
1: Sure. Uh, I would say it really depends on, you know, why you're investing in, uh, why you want to invest in, in a theme, right? I think, you know, traditionally, if I talk about, you know, frameworks, we talk about the core satellite approach, where you know you should put 70% 70 to 60% of your money in a more passive investment and then you know 30 to 40% in you know satellite investment which can be you know more one of these themes right and then if i you know take it a step further essentially when you when you're assessing a theme is it you're trying to diversify you know away from your uh, particular exposures you know in in the remainder of your portfolio so for example perhaps you're heavily invested or heavily exposed to, you know, U.S. stocks and you want to uh, you want to have more China or emerging market exposure. Right. And so therefore, you know, you choose a theme which is in line uh, with that. Right. Um, or you um, you are investing you know, in a particular belief. Right. You want you care a lot about the climate and you want to invest in, you know, sustainable companies. And so therefore, you know, you go for a more ESG portfolio. Right. And or, you know, are you are you trying to create or capture alpha um, and therefore, um, you know, the, the, I guess, more traditional frameworks come into play more, right, in terms of what is your risk tolerance? So what is the risk and volatility of that portfolio? Is it, you know, a very high risk portfolio? And therefore, you should take that into consideration, you know, as you assess, you know, this, this basket, or this theme, sorry. Um, or, you know, is the valuation of these companies um, and this sector, you know, very high and, you know, is that something that you are aware that you're getting exposure to? Particularly, you know, if I give an example with, you know, inflation coming um, and, you know, some of these these tech companies, right? If you're investing in, let's say, you know, technology theme, right? These tend to be, you know, high growth stocks and they can be at risk with um, or at high valuations and they can be at risk with, um, with the onset of uh, inflation and, and higher interest rates. So I think some of these things... Um, things that you have to you know take into consideration right maybe one other thing I would call out is that how if you if you're trying to capture alpha how sustainable right is that theme that you're investing in right do you believe that it's going to be around for a long time (laughs) right Mm. Um, or is it you know so quote-unquote you know a fad perhaps
0: okay so tell us more about this capturing alpha first Before I move into the investing into what you believe in investing into the future, right? Because, well, I I think these two are kind of something new for me because sometimes we we go into the numbers too much as we go into investing. Want to make money, right? That's why I want to look for alpha. But at the same time, there's this appeal to your senses or emotions to invest in the future that you want, and which is why some people are going into investing in ESG kind of stocks right? But you you still don't want to lose money even if you're doing it because you believe in the future, right? So how should I approach it?
1: Sure. I think, you know, one, one, one thing I would say is still to diversify. But, you know, if you were looking at a, you know, specific theme, uh, I think you should think about things like, what am I buying, right? Um, and, and not just, you know, the the I guess the um, you know what these companies are doing, but you know where they are valued again in the market. So you know valuation would be one. You know again, I would kind of touch upon you know how sustainable, like what do we believe is going to be the future, you know, of this sector or uh, you know thematic that you are investing in.
0: Earlier on, you mentioned about ESG scoring, and obviously you have some experience in this. Now, tell us about ESG scoring and how do I evaluate ESG companies and stocks?
1: Sure. So I think there is, you know, there's a number of providers out there who do do a lot of work around um, ESG scoring, right? And I think then, you know, ETFs, which essentially... Take that criteria and put them into to various baskets, right? So I think the the simplest way is to um, is to take that approach where you are relying on you know these third parties. I guess you know the likes of MSCI, etc., uh, which you know obviously have um, have significant you know experience in this in this field. Um, I think. It, it does become difficult, you know, to to perhaps do the analysis yourself because um, because a lot of this, uh, a lot of the information, you know, isn't is not easy to, to find on these companies, to be honest. Right. So um, I think one approach is, you know, trusting the experts perhaps and, you know, taking the scores that they use and, you know, investing in, in the relative, you know, relevant companies that are scored highly or, you know, the ETFs which which uh, have those companies in them. Right. Mm, so it's already my-
0: added a layer of filter for you. From my layman' understanding, there's a sort of checklist, and these companies are, are ranked and given a scores, and you can look at all these reports to decide uh, on how to evaluate all these companies that you might be looking at investing.
1: Yes, so these companies are typically scored on all the criteria, you know, environment, social governance, right? Yes, right? G. Um, and on on criteria that is relevant to them, right? I mean, if we take environment, for example, they would look at your you know process. If it's a manufacturing company, you know, they would look at what is the, your manufacturing uh, process, right? What is your supply chain? How much does that pollute, right? Um, do you clean up after yourself? Uh, do your plants, um, you know, your plants basically having good policies, you know, where they are making sure that they are not impacting the environment around them. And, you know, things like, Even, you know, workplace diversity would come into it, right? And and if we go to the particularly, you know, if we look at the governance side, look at things like how many women are on the board, right? Is there, you know, diversity of thought, right, perhaps in the company and things like that? And and those things are also, you know, important for, for ESG scoring.
0: Okay, so how, how does that um, correlate with looking at the financials of a company? Because you've mentioned all of ESG, is nothing to do with the numbers sure, sure. and whether the companies are, are making money, right? I, I guess we, I am stuck in this traditional mindset of looking at the numbers, you know, valuations. We're sure. looking at, okay, whether they have workplace diversity, whether they are protecting yeah. the environment, yeah. you know, but does that translate into more alpha? I mean, I, I'm not sure if these two <laughs> goals are, are going against each other. Sure. Perhaps
1: maybe two ways to, to answer that, right? I think you know. Firstly, whether they, whether it impacts the financials, um, I think is perhaps maybe more questionable. Um, I think you know some of these things, particularly on the governance side, there is some evidence that you know companies do perform better when they do have better, obviously, governance governance policies. They have better you know more diversity, etc. Right. So that can kind of play into it. And you know, if generally the company is run well, they do care a lot about these. Environmental and, and social issues as well, right? So, you know, I think, but that I think that would be perhaps a more looser correlation than you know if we look at alpha, right? Because alpha is what does the stock do in terms of performance in the market, right? So, how much money does it, it make you versus uh, versus benchmarks, right? And I think there, that's perhaps a little bit more interesting to look at because um, there is evidence, you know, that basically companies which improve their ESG scores, get more inflows, right? And therefore, that does help to create alpha, uh, because if more money is uh, essentially, you know, shifting into these companies, uh, perhaps, you know, they are valued higher, uh, they are given a higher valuation versus their peers, which have lower ESG scores, and therefore, you know, attract more, more capital, etc., then we can see some outperformance in alpha.
0: Mm. There are obviously too many themes out there. Let's go into some of the hottest ones. Let's go into healthcare because it is a topic that we're really concerned about recently. What do you think about healthcare as a theme?
1: Sure. It's definitely one that has gotten much more attention of late. as, Past as two years. Yes. Um, as we can imagine, I think it's one of those things where pre-COVID, I don't think anybody would have known the name of many of these pharmaceutical companies, you know, let alone the name of or what you know vaccine you're getting, I don't think you ask, you know, when you get, uh, you know, your 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 flu jabs, etc. You know, who made it? It's never been a you know a, a big concern for people, right? And obviously, you know, now there's a lot more focus on uh, on this this. Sector and this theme, and you know also the companies within it, right? And I think that is something which is obviously te- it's a big question. It's a question mark in terms of you know how sustainable again you know this this is right. And I think my own view is that um, obviously we have an aging population, which you know is only going to require you know more more healthcare investment and um, requirements, and therefore a lot more money is going to have to go into this uh, into this sector. And you know one other thing is that these uh, these tend to be more value stocks. They tend to be perhaps a a, a diversification from your typical technology companies, etc. Because if we're worried about inflation, you know, and we do see that start to play a role in the performance of markets even more, then, you know, we could see some of these value stocks and sectors, you know, such as as healthcare uh, start to outperform. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
0: So the role of healthcare stocks would be more of a defensive role, and to take care of inflation as well, as exactly. compared to investing in growth stocks. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly, exactly. So this could be you know a way to protect yourself against a lot of volatility, which we could expect in, in the market over the next you know twelve months or so.
0: Talking about hype earlier on, and <laughs> do you think that? ARK ETF contributed to some of the hype or interest <laughs> in, in this area of investing?
1: Um, I think a bit of both, right? I think that we've obviously seen a big increase in retail investing. And I think we've seen a lot of these themes and these ETFs, you know, have gotten a lot more accessible, right? And, you know, an, an example even for, for, for SIF, right? I mean, platforms, you know, like SAIF has made it much more accessible and affordable for retail investors you know, to, to capture some of these themes, right? And I think because of that, we've seen obviously large inflows into much more concentrated pockets of, of the market, right? Such as technology and Arc, you know, being obviously an example. Not sure which if it's a, if it's a <laughs> you know, if, it, if you can call it a, a contributor, but obviously uh, until this year, you know, been, been a big beneficiary. Let's, uh, let's put it that way.
0: Hmm. Should people be concerned that some of this hype could be driving up the entry prices of such stocks?
1: Yes, I think it's a very relevant uh, topic, you know right now, right? And I think again using the example right of you know of Arc, you basically can if you enter some of these, I guess very high risk, let's say, uh, themes, then you can, you know, get hurt, and and that's why you know we typically recommend that you only put a portion of your uh, of investments and your portfolio, you know, into perhaps some of these themes, which you know could be quote unquote more hyped <laughs> than than others, right? And and therefore, you know, more risk in terms of your entry points and when you enter the
0: market. So, what other risks should we take note of when investing in themes?
1: <laughs> Obviously as you mentioned timing is is one of them right so some of these themes can be perhaps um, you know, have had strong inflows and strong performance over, over a shorter period of time. And therefore, there are some risks do, you know, catch things at the, at the top, right? And for that and, and many other reasons, again, you know, I would kind of say that the biggest risk is really concentration risk, right? So you should weigh up how much you're willing to lose versus, you know, how risky the portfolio is, right? And therefore, uh, you know, allocate accordingly to that theme,
0: we mentioned core and satellite, right? Yes. So, I mean, generally, as a rule of thumb, mm. like, how would you advise someone? You know, in terms of how they allocate, for example, to the index, to thematic investing, to bonds, and other asset classes. I mean, of course, it depends on your personal goals. But how do you approach this personally?
1: So, generally, you know, the rule of thumb is is seventy to mm. sixty to seventy you know, percent in a, in a core diversified portfolio, and thirty to forty percent in satellite slash, you know, thematic portfolio, right? And and let's call it, you know, whether that is in terms of basket of of stocks or, you know, portfolios or, you know, single stock allocation, right? I think I would put it both, you know, in um, in that category. And obviously, you know, that skew would depend on perhaps, you know, your level of, expertise and how much you want to back yourself in um, how your strong belief is in some of these themes and, and time horizon and, and, and things like that, right? But generally, you know, we, we recommend, you know, 60 to 70% in a, in, to remain in a core diversified uh, portfolio.
0: Okay. In our conversation, we're bringing up disruptive tech, high growth companies a lot. And while it is a theme, <laughs> so what is the Scythe um, thematic portfolio for such companies, caught?
1: Sure. So we have a we have a portfolio in, under our Safe Select portfolio uh, Select offering, which is exactly as you called disruptive technology, um, which uh, essentially captures all these companies like cloud computing, gaming, some companies which are involved in you know blockchain blockchain technology, uh, etc. Right. So at the very so I say disruptive end of uh, the technology uh, spectrum, right? Which also, as you mentioned, tend to be higher growth. Stocks and um, and higher valued
0: stocks as well. Now let's talk about China. Could you walk us through on this theme on investing in China companies?
1: Sure. So so I think um obviously a very polarizing topic right now in terms of i think the camp that believes that china is going to recover that it is you know maybe now is definitely the bottom and you know if you take a longer term perspective that that there will be you know significant returns there right versus perhaps you know the other school of thought saying that or believing that essentially with China, it is too risky now, right? That you know perhaps the clampdowns that we've had with you know the, in the regulatory uh, clampdowns that we've had, and you know I guess too many sectors now to, to name really, you know is going to have a lasting impact on uh, investing, you know, in any Chinese-related companies. And that essentially, the perhaps the tone coming out of China that profitability, wealth, etc., is not really being um, celebrated or encouraged anymore means that also there is a risk for, for any company, really, who does well and has any form of, you know, outsized returns that they could see potential regulation, right? So I think that is, is, is one for me that, you know, really depends... A little bit on your own personal view, and you know, obviously, an, an educated one. Um, but I think you know, even if you ask, perhaps you know, the people who have studied it the most right now and are very in tune with what's happening in China, I think it would be hugely polarizing in terms of where are some of these companies and and you know, where is China going to be trading in uh, you know, in 12 months from now or 24 months from now, right? I think it's a it's a very very difficult one to call, right? I think if you perhaps ask my my own personal view, I think it, you know, really depends on your time horizon, right? I think if you're talking about, you know, is, is it going to significantly outperform and recover in the next 12 months, that's a very high risk trade, I'd probably say. But, you know, if if you're talking about, you know, three to five years or 10 years from now, these could potentially be very good entry points for, uh, for China.
0: But the option is there if you want to invest in it.
1: Yes, the option is definitely there. sci Select also has a also has a China uh, right. thematic portfolio, uh, ready for ready for uh you know ready for anybody who who wants to take that view, right? Um but um but yes, you know, and I think it's one of those things again where, you know, you allocate accordingly to um to your risk tolerance, right? So, um if you wanted to place, you know, a small bet on uh on the recovery obviously a lot, as we've as we've you know a lot of things you know the further something has has gone down and it has i guess uh, you know has been um has been underperforming there's obviously a, a potential that it can recover at some point right and and you know you could get outsized returns for sure right if um if we do see some at least even some stability right i think uh, in China.
0: All right. So each theme has its own characteristics and you well it helps to have some knowledge going in. There's no, you know, one size fits all solution moving into thematic investing itself, right? You're saying that you have to diversify and you might appeal to your interests or you might have some knowledge in it. Any last piece of advice for listeners who wants to move into thematic investing?
1: I think the the, the typical one that that I would say is is definitely, you know, invest in, in what you know. I think I've even perhaps learned that the hard way, but um but I think you know being educated and, and investing in something that you really have you know conviction and some strong beliefs in you know is a, is important right, and I think you know that can you know work with whether it's single stocks or um also you know on the thematic uh, side
0: mm, did you say you learned it the hard way or well, is, <laughs> is there a story there
1: <laughs> no uh, i think um you know obviously i i you know i've spent most of my career looking at at consumer stocks, and i think when i've when I've left the uh, institutional investing world. I have realized that this, my own portfolio, that the stocks which have outperformed are definitely the stocks which I've you know known and followed for a long time and, and have a good understanding of. And the, the stocks that I thought, I, you know, I'm just going to take a little punt, take a little punt there, um, you know, may or may not be in some Chinese names, um, have, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, have, uh, have you definitely, definitely, have, have <laughs> definitely uh, <laughs> underperformed
0: significantly. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening all the way here. Stay after this outro because usually we have some bonus content right at the end. It's like the end credit scene of a movie. But before that, I hope you've learned something useful today. If you like more of this content, join our Telegram group, follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletter. For all this and more, check out thefinancialcoconut.com. My name is Andrew. Stay tuned for the next episode of Chill with the Financial Coconuts. Last three questions for you. So, what is one of your core life principles? I probably
1: have to go with no pain, no gain. I think you can. Uh, I guess you can use this in both the financial or non-financial sense. But you know, if, would you like me to talk about the financial or non-financial? How about I ask you? That's
0: both. That's both. That's both. both. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, so, from a financial context, I think that does lie investing early, you know, saving, right, for a a better future, and, you know, to achieve financial freedom, right? And and also, in terms of, I think, it is something where, you know, I believe that even if you are feeling, you know, the pain in terms of, uh, in terms of perhaps Potential losses in your portfolio. You know, to take a longer-term view sometimes, Um, and I think that's a that's an important lesson you know for for people to have, right? And I think perhaps in the in the non non non-financial sense, then I would say that you know I I I believe in um, hard work and that you reap the rewards of that going forward, right? So whether that be in work or you know working out um, or anything uh, anything like that.
0: What is one piece of financial advice that you think should be shared more often?
1: So, so one thing that I think has really resonated me with me, um, I think since I've joined SIF, and and is, is that basically the message of you know time in the market is more important than you know, timing the markets, and you know that I think is is a very important thing that I think as much as it sounds cliche, and I think we all maybe have heard it before uh, multiple times. But I don't think that many people actually follow through with it, um, and I think you know if we did that, we would all see you know better uh, better outcomes uh, financially, right? Uh, and and managing our wealth because you know if you if you miss a uh, you know a significant uh, peak or, or you know rally because you were waiting to time it, you know that can be very um, very hurtful for your returns, right, or negative for your returns. So you know that's one big thing that I would say.
0: What is one area of her life that you're giving additional focus right now?
1: As much as I can, uh, I would be um, trying to spend as much time I can probably with my, my daughter, who recently turned one year oh, one yeah. years old. Okay. Um, not, not easy um, when um, particularly in, uh, in, in an ind- industry like this and, you know, working in a, working in a startup. So, um, so yes, trying to spend much time and quality time, I think, than, uh, that I can.
0: Thank you for your time. Let's get you back to your little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you here's a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Scythe Private Limited. All forms of investments carry risks, including the risk of losing all of the invested amounts. Such activities may not be suitable for everyone. Reference to a specific security are meant for illustration purposes and are neither intended nor to be construed as a recommendation or advice to buy any specific security. Please do your own research before making any investments at your own risk. The materials presented are not and should not be construed as financial advice nor an offer to sell any products or services. Past performances are not indicative of future performances. This advertisement has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore.